Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT, along with Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio, Bucky Brooks, Raider Nation insider from Raiders.com, NFL Network, everything he does. He's fantastic. He's going to join us a little bit later on in the show. Raiders lose 30-29 to on Monday Night Football, Q, and it was a game that literally had everything. <laughs> High-scoring penalties. A lot of reaction today from the Raider Nation. How'd you see the game big picture? I mean, it was just a roller coaster affair, right? The, the Raiders get off to such a hot start to begin with, and you feel like, man, this is exactly what they needed. This is exactly what you thought this team was capable of doing. And then Kansas City continues to do what Kansas City does, and they just continue to, you know, chop the wood, chop the wood, uh, find their way back into the game, and ultimately in the second half, just kind of felt like it got away from the Raiders. Just a tough one to lose. Yeah, it's a theme for this year so far that everything that could go wrong has gone wrong at times right because the Raiders have had many explosive plays great moments really some individual performances as we lead with Josh Jacobs 21 carries 154 yards and a touchdown he's having a pro bowl year yeah right out of the gate for the Raiders really running hard but a penalty here a mistake late in the game truly is costing this team wins as they drop to one and four on the year. Right, exactly. And it's these close games, they're losing them. Last season, we saw these close games and we saw them winning them, right? And that's just the, that's just how the NFL goes. Sometimes you're uh, fortunate enough to be able to pull out all these close games, but this year, they're finding ways to lose them. And again, Josh Jacobs, as you mentioned, I mean, he's third in the league in rushing right now. I mean, he had a back, uh, he had a, a, a game where he was uh, the career high with 144 yards against Denver. Then he just follows that up with 150 plus yards. So, you know, I mean, he's so active and he's running so hard you just want to see him and the team rewarded and just they keep coming up short yeah what is bizarre what's happening at this point in time is that the Raiders are trying to put games away early right so let's go to Arizona 20 to nothing Kansas City 17 to nothing the only big difference here is we all knew Kansas City was going to come back in the game right no Kansas City was going to make adjustments and what happened in this game which is troublesome because Andy Reid versus Josh McDaniels there were just a couple of plays that happened especially at the end of the first half Mm -hmm. where Kansas City gets a late field goal they got 17 seconds on the 25-yard line, if you take a look at the sequence in that game, the face mask on Teamer, right. after a completion tacked on 15 yards for a backup kicker to make a 59-yard field goal career high. A lot of people didn't see that coming, and the Raiders helped them get into field goal range. They absolutely did, and I saw when that penalty happened to myself, I said, you know what, that that just immediately put them closer to field goal range, and I thought, you can't gift the Chiefs any points. You can't give them that opportunity. Remember, he had already, the field goal kicker had already missed a, a field goal earlier in the game, as you mentioned, a backup kicker, but you can't give him another opportunity, and so that, that penalty I thought was going to be a big deal, but you still have to give him a credit. 59 yards is a long field goal, and he drilled it. Malcolm Kuntz on the holding play was one of the most ridiculous calls I've seen in Raider history. And we've talked about penalties in the history of the Raiders, and we know about that. But that was absolutely ridiculous and a bad call because, first off, let's get to the elephant in the room on the officials in this game. The officials had an awful night. And earlier this morning, it was the biggest topic in all of sports. What happened on the Chris Jones roughing the passer? That went in the Raiders' favor. Yeah, that was a strip did. sack right. where he fell on the ball. The Raiders got the ball back and got mm-hmm. a field goal on that play. So that went in the Raiders' favor. But then we talk about the the penalty on Koontz was a phantom call. It wasn't like he was holding a receiver no. on a fake field right, goal. Exactly, if that's no. a receiver or, or someone at the end of the line trying to trick the Raiders, then you hold them because you're going to get beat. Right. He's locked up with a 350-pound right. offensive lineman there. 
And you really got to go out of your way to call a penalty on the Raiders at that point. It was one of the worst makeup calls I've ever seen. Makeup call. And that's exactly yeah. what it was. I mean, you know, just to call out the big elephant in the room, it was an absolute makeup call. The Chris Jones call was terrible. It cost the Chiefs three points. That makeup call was terrible. It cost the Raiders seven. Big deal. It was a huge it's deal. It's a huge deal. And yeah. as we talked about before we came on here, that the big issue with this is the officials have a lot of pressure on them. Of course. And the coaches both said that. And coaches say that around the league. Arthur Smith said it in Atlanta. They don't want to get fined. They say no. anything, they're going to get fined. Right. But what happened in that game, and Josh McDaniels took the high road after that, but the officials after that call, I thought the crowd got so intense and into that game. Yeah. And the officials came out there kind of with some makeup calls. But the Raiders got to be better than that. They got to know it's coming. Right. They got to stay out of the way of penalties, Q. They had 11 penalties for 99 yards. Uh, season highs for that on a team that wants to play clean football. Exactly. That's something that Josh McDaniels and all the coaches have emphasized all since they've been been with the team, right? All training camp, preseason, don't beat yourself, don't have stupid penalties. They've got to be able to avoid those penalties. And on the road in a hostile environment like Arrowhead Stadium on Monday Night Football against a, a division rival like that, you just can't have those, right? So you have to play as clean football as possible, even when you have bad calls like a Malcolm Coons call. You know, I mean, there's nothing he could do about that. That was just a bad call. You still have to try to even be cleaner than you than than normal. Yeah, well, the reason the Raiders lost the game, this is just my opinion, was they couldn't stop Kelsey. And that's Agreed. really disappointing to me because that's all I did with you on the radio is talk about that all week. Right. That was the key that you got to try to stop Kelsey. Three out of the four touchdowns, he just ran free. Right. And that's a breakdown in defense. And not just this team, the regimes before, they've all known that Kelsey mm-hmm. at Arrowhead is a guy you got to take out of the game. There was no Tyreek Hill to worry about right. in motion and all that type of chaos. Really disappointed that the Raiders couldn't get hands and bodies on Travis Kelsey, who was a big part of that surge for the Chiefs in the second half of that Absolutely. game. Absolutely. I mean, four touchdowns on the day for Kelsey, that just can't happen. I mean, no. you know that he's yeah. the star. He's going to be the focus point for Patrick Mahomes. And I thought the Raiders' defense did a decent job with everybody else, especially early on. They were making life tough. Very difficult on Patrick Mahomes. You can see the frustration on his face. But at the end of the day, Travis Kelsey is still Travis Kelsey. And so the Raiders' defense has to know where 87 is at all times. And like you said, be attached to him. Have hands on him. Have you know, Just make life difficult. And it just seemed like there's way too much. He was just wide open. Nobody even near him. A very productive night for Devontae Adams. Only three receptions, 124 yards. Two monster touchdowns yeah. there. But he only had seven targets in the game. And another concerning stat, because there's a lot of positives here with what the Raiders did on offense. The second leading receiver was Josh Jacobs with 39 yards, and he had five targets in the game. Renfro had four receptions for 29 yards. So you really felt the loss of Darren Waller with the hamstring. When Waller came out of the game, that's a player who's going to be double-teamed the entire game. As we talked about Kelsey, once Darren wasn't able to go with an injury and they didn't want to risk it heading into the bye week, that really hurt the Raiders because that double-team bracket coverage of Devontae was real. It was, and the thing about it is going into the game, I kept saying the three-headed monster, the three-headed monster of Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. Well, after six plays, that three-headed monster was no longer there because Waller left. And so that is a big loss for the Raiders, and that's what makes this offense really – uh, be able to compete with anybody is because they have those weapons. So when you take a big key out of that that cog like that, that's that's an issue. And so Darren Waller was sorely missed on uh, on Monday night. We'll get to Bucky Brooks, who will join us here in a little bit, Raiders.com contributor. I will tell you that there's a lot going on with Max Crosby. The yeah. baby on the way, right. as we're talking now. And for him to play with that on his mind right. and have a dominant performance like that, let's get right to it. He's one of the best players in the league. Absolutely. On defense. Absolutely. And he showed up. 
really strong in that game. I thought he brought an energy mm-hmm. to Arrowhead that you must have if you're going to go into that building. You know what? He's been bringing that energy all season long. That's just who he is now, right? I mean, Max Crosby is a different dude. We know about all the trials and tribulations that he's gone through, mm-hmm. and you root for guys like that. And Max is really just showing what it means. And I even heard him before the game talking about, you know, baby girl's going to know that I'm going to have a legendary game. Yeah. And he came out with some energy, you know, getting to Patrick Mahomes a couple times and helping out. And in the run game, too, he's really focused on improving in the run game, too. I mean, that's something that you could say that was an issue in Max's game. It's like he wasn't very good and strong against the run. He is an, uh, an animal against the run now. I mean, he has made sure that he is he has no holes in his game right now. Well, Kansas City was shut out in the first quarter. They had 10 points going into the half, and they only scored six in the fourth quarter. Right. So, again, Q, we continue to talk about the tales of quarters and halves here. Yeah. And it's hard. When you're playing a team like Kansas City, you know that surge, that tidal wave you feel it coming. is coming here. Yeah. I think the Raiders were prepared for it, but the penalties added mm. to that and the fact that Kelsey has had a Hall of Fame career against the Raiders, and that's not going to change anytime soon. No. I mean, this guy is a nightmare for the Raiders, yep. and he had a four-touchdown game, and I thought he was the difference. Oh, he was, no doubt about it. And, again, it's almost like when you watch the Warriors play, right, you know that that, yeah, that entourage. Point is coming. You know that that onslaught of three-pointers is coming. You just don't know when it's going to happen. And so even watching the game, I'm seeing the Raiders score, and I'm thinking, okay, they got a nice little lead. They're up 17 points. That's great. But they just got to keep going, going, going. You know, push push the, uh, the, the pedal to the metal. You've got to continue to score because this team is going to find a way to fire back, and they absolutely did. Well, Kelsey was the fourth leading. He had 25 yards on the night. 25 yards. Right, that's it. And he had four touchdowns right. there. And the targets were all there in crunch time. So yep. the Raiders have to learn a lesson from that. As you look at the stats, 155 rushing yards for the Silver and Black. No turnovers in the game, but the penalties jump out at you, 11 for 99. Right. And that was the difference in the game. If the Raiders make you one play. Yep. One knockdown on fourth down against Arizona. One knockdown deflection on a two-point conversion against right. Arizona. And one more play here. We got to mention this. The Devontae bobble. Right. Where he toe-tapped and got down. That doesn't happen. So that's a fluke. Mm -hmm. That's not a player that has a problem with that. No, no, no. And and he has – typically he owned everything after the game. But Devontae, if he comes down with that catch and toe-taps – Right there, they're in field goal range. Right, and, and we I could be talking just, about a different yeah, game. Yeah, they just run it to Josh three times right. and bring out Carlson to win the game there. But, again, we don't do shoulda, coulda, woulda here no, on no, this podcast no, on Raiders Roundtable. It hurts, and the Raiders will go into the bye week. One and four, which I don't think anybody expected. No. Two and three, you know, three and two, somewhere mm-hmm. manageable here. But now the Raiders got some tough sledding against some teams that they should be competitive against and should win. Well, you know, I think that's why it hurts Raider Nation the most when they're seeing this because you look at the talent, you you know the expectations going into the season. Nobody, I didn't pick the Raiders to be one and four going into the bye week. No way. I knew they had a tough schedule, but I feel like this team could compete with anybody. And they show you that they can compete. They just have to compete for four quarters, and we haven't seen it all the time. Yeah, it's been a tough sled so far for the Raiders. Hopefully some good news ahead. Bucky Brooks will join us coming up next from Raiders.com, our contributor, as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today.
Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable. We're thrilled to be joined by Bucky Brooks, contributor to Raiders.com, NFL Network. And Bucky, so much to get to as we open up with you here. Big picture, there were a lot of penalties, a lot of plays that could have went either way for the silver and black. How'd you see the game? You know, it's a really disappointing game uh, from the Raiders' standpoint because you have the dominant first half. You're up, you're winning, you have the game under control, and then you allow the other team to kind of get back. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult game because this is one where the Raiders will walk away saying, we didn't necessarily uh, lose the game, we gave the game away. This would be a tough one. It'd be a tough one to resonate with the team. You know, as far as the Chris Jones penalty, of course, we've seen the officiating. We've seen them in the league try to make sure they protect the quarterbacks. Did it seem to you that the the calls started really going against the silver and black after that Chris Jones penalty that we don't, I don't believe was a roughing the passer penalty? Well, I mean, the thing that is difficult is when you're playing in Arrowhead and you have a mistake, it allows the crowd to get into it. And so the crowd certainly influences the officials because they're human. And so when you hear that ground spell of support, you hear uh, the outrage over the Chris Jones call, certainly the officials might be impacted and influenced by that. Uh, we saw some questionable things that happened after that. So, yeah, I think that's a fair observation. Bucky, I'm going to follow up on that for a second. The NFL has two big issues happening right now that are very important. Concussion protocol, it's tight now. They're making sure that they are extra cautious with the players. And then earlier today, as you saw, and we're going to hear about it all week, it comes down to roughing the passer. It started with Tom Brady against Atlanta and this big play in Kansas City. You're deeply connected as a former player in this league and as as a top analyst. What do you think is going to happen here? Is there going to be some overreaction here because these defensive players in the NFL want clarity on what roughing the passer is? Yeah, unfortunately for defensive players, they're not marquee enough. It's about the quarterback. This league is about the quarterback. And if you have a quarterback get injured, particularly a star quarterback, it impacts the bottom line in a bunch of different areas. It impacts that team's ability to win. It also impacts the league ability to sell stars. When we think about the primetime games, the marquee games, the playoffs. And so if it's going to be a decision between the quarterback and the other position players, the quarterback is always going to get the benefit of the doubt. And so I don't expect there to be a major correction when it comes to that, because at the end of the day, they want to make sure that the stars, the quarterbacks are available to play in these games because so much of the packaging is around selling the star quarterbacks uh, to consumers. Bucky, the Raiders looked like they were about to tie the game. Devontae Adams had just had that big touchdown catch. It was the second touchdown of the game. And then Josh McDaniels goes for two. And I know the analytical side of things, a lot of folks say that was the good decision. Some folks like myself kind of look at it as maybe I would have just kicked the extra point. Uh, where do you stand on, on kicking the extra point or going for two? Uh, all of it is it, it depends. Like If you're going to be a two-point uh, gambler, it kind of has to be in your bag, something that you do all the time. When you look at the conversion race, you convert two-point conversions at about 47%. Uh, that's about on par with what single points are because they're converted at about 94%. The thing about it, in this instance, with the game being what it was, man, if you tie it, it now gives you an opportunity to kind of maybe either play for overtime later to do those things. But from Josh McDaniel's standpoint, he's looking at the game and he's realistically looking at my defense has not necessarily slowed down the Kansas City Chiefs. If I put an extra point on the board, we now have the lead. Maybe it changes the way Kansas City approaches those last, those final drops. Maybe they're more aggressive, and that leads to a mistake. 
I understand the rationale, but in hindsight, you always say, man, if we kick the extra point, maybe we can go into overtime. You know, Bucky, that's a great point there because it was over four minutes to go and everybody's saying with the timeouts and what the Raiders have, the Raiders still get the ball back with an opportunity to win the game. And this is interesting because as you follow the Raiders and you see what happens in Los Angeles week one with the ball against Justin Herbert, an opportunity to win up 20 on Kyler Murray. You just need to stop on Kyler Murray at any point in the fourth quarter on a two-point conversion, knock down a ball on a fourth down. They win that game. They had the ball, an opportunity late against Tennessee. These are crushing losses, but the Raiders got the ball back, and when Devontae made that catch on the sideline and toe-tapped, he juggled it. He doesn't juggle the ball. That is a fluke. That rarely happens here. But then it was third and one, and I thought Josh Jacobs should have got the ball right there on third and one. And then on fourth and one, I don't think you want to end the game getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage with Devontae and Hunter Renfro and Derek, the opportunity to get outside the pocket. Take me through third and one, fourth and one, and what happened, and especially when Hunter and Devontae collided on that final play. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, looking back and reflecting and wonder what would be the better play call. Josh Jacobs had it going. He was in his bag, had 150 yards on the ground. Naturally, you like to think short yardage situation, give it to the big back and trust him to be able to get it done. But you have to think about how these things impact your mind. Okay, so the two-point conversion, you give the ball to Josh Jacobs, he doesn't get it. So now when you're the play caller, as you're thinking, the, the memory is fresh of Josh Jacobs not being able to get two and a half yards. So maybe that influenced Josh McDaniels decision-making when it came to third and one and whether to hand it off or whether to throw it. And then on fourth down, look, man, you have a play call. Somehow there's a little miscommunication because Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro end up in the same area and it doesn't go the way that you want to go. Most play callers in those instances, it's always players over plays, meaning let me trust my best players to make the play as opposed to my favorite play call on the sheet. Look, they went for the players. They're trying to get it to Devontae or Hunter Renfro, two Pro Bowl players. It didn't work out. I think at the end of the day, you're mad because you let one slip, but you can't feel badly about the way that you played because the game was right there for you to win it. Now it's about trying to figure out over the bye week, how do you win these one-score games? Because the Raiders are one and four, but everyone knows they're not really a one and four team, despite the record indicating that over this next week or two, you got to figure out how can you put the team in a better position to win these games that are there for them to take. And they were winning these games last season, right? The close games they were winning last season, this season, it hasn't worked out that way. But, Bucky, you mentioned that Josh Jacobs was in his bag, and he was. It's been two games in a row for him, a career high in rushing yards. What have you seen from Josh Jacobs, who's obviously playing in a contract year? Uh, he's playing in a contract year, so obviously I would say personally he's motivated. But I say it goes beyond that. Uh, I think – and what we have to do is we have to remember – Josh McDaniels is in his first year on the job. And despite the fact that the Raiders win the playoffs a season ago, it's his first year on the job, his first year implementing the culture and all of those things. And whenever someone comes in and takes on a new job and a new responsibility, it typically takes a while for everyone to buy in to get on the same page. I believe Josh Jacobs is a perfect example of that. Josh Jacobs is a Pro Bowl caliber player, and it took them a while to realize, hey, if we feed the beast and feed him early and often, it really sets the table for the offense. And so even though we got the shiny toys on the perimeter, uh, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, 
if we run it through Josh Jacobs, it changes the way the defense plays. I believe Josh McDaniels has certainly found something. And I think when they come out of the bye, we will see Josh Jacobs continue to be featured as the focal point of the game plan. Uh, Bucky, as a former defensive back, uh, walk me through Kelsey. It was the game plan to stop him with Patrick Graham. Very disappointing that he had four touchdowns on limited yards. Everyone in Arrowhead knew he was getting the ball, and Patrick Graham probably knew about it too And in the week of preparation, and they couldn't stop him. And as you know, as a former player in this league, you went up against some of the greatest tight ends and wide receivers. You want to stop them. That's the game plan. You look to do it, and you got to tip your cap. What happened with Kelsey in the red zone with the Raiders' coverage from the line of scrimmage, putting hands on him, to the right person picking him up and staying with him because three out of those four touchdowns, he was untouched and he was running free in the end zone. Yeah, and that was really, really difficult, right? So if you're Patrick Graham and you're looking at the stat sheet, seven catches, 25 yards. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, seven catches, 25 yards. Normally, you would be excited about that kind of uh, limited production from a big-time player. The four touchdowns are troublesome because in the red area, the ball goes to 87. And so you would like to think that you spent your Friday's red zone day working on the red zone. The problem that you have is Andy Reid does a great job designing plays and trying to create opportunities for his best players. Travis Kelsey was running through a thicket of picks, uh, running up under things. And so it's hard to get the bracket set in some of these uh, unique formations that the Kansas City Chiefs were doing. In a perfect world, you would like to have one guy that is able to take on the challenge of taking 87, just weren't able to get it done. And so it's a learning lesson, but it's one that you have to learn from because the next time that you see the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey cannot be this impactful in the red zone. Bucky, a guy that was very impactful for the Raiders is Max Crosby, and he's been impactful all season long. Uh, he has six sacks now on the season after what he did on Monday night. Uh, what have you seen from Max Crosby? And looks like he's just continuing to get better and better and better. Yeah, continue to get better. Gets a big contract, nothing changes. Uh, the one thing that I would say about Max Crosby is when you watch him on tape, he's the energizer bunny. They're guys that bring life and energy to the defense, and Max Crosby is one of those. Guy comes off the edge, he's relentless. He continues to add to his repertoire of moves, and he's, he's, he's really a dominant player. I think what he needs, he needs Chandler Jones to come along with him because to win and to win at the high level, you can't just do it with one pass rusher. You have to have two. So Max Crosby is playing great. Somebody else has to emerge as a consistent threat as a pass rusher for the defense to play the kind of defense that you need to play to be a playoff team. Bucky, when I saw you in Canton as the Raiders played the Hall of Fame game with Jacksonville, we talked about the fact that they had a rotation of seven offensive linemen. And that, to me, is a, a bit of an issue because two of their young players, Thayer Mumford and Dylan Parnham, clearly the Raiders believe in them going forward. And I like the way they've been playing. Parnham struggled a little bit in that game on some coverage last night. But what do you think of the offensive line and what they're trying to do, getting the best five available? They've been dealing with injuries they got to get young players their reps, and obviously they only have one consistent guy, Colt Miller, who's proven himself before. Uh, give us your grade on this offensive line and what the upside is going forward. Well, I mean, I think it's tremendous upside. I think it's tremendous upside because Josh McDaniels has appeared to find the identity of the team. If you look at the last two games and you look at the stars, like it's, it's a simple thing. If we were playing a video game Madden, right, it, the, the guys who dominate the gaming industry are the ones who get it to the best players over and over. Josh McDaniels has taken that same premise and implemented it with the Raiders. 
Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. They're the primary caretakers when it comes to the ball. The offensive line has afforded them the opportunity to play what I call big boy football, control the line of scrimmage, run the football. When you run the football, it sets the table for everything else. And so if I am the coaching staff, I feel good about where we are and where we're going. Some things still need to be worked on because we're talking about a team that is one and four. But if you're looking at the tape and ignoring the record, there's a lot to be excited about. But now you have to get the wins to justify the feelings. Because at the end of the day, your record is what it is. You have to get the wins. But the Raiders are playing solid football, just need a little more to go over at the top. Bucky, if you're in the Raiders locker room heading into the bye week and you're sitting there one and four, but like you said, look like a very talented team, what is the message that you're saying to the players so they all stick together and believe in the process? Okay, so the process is typically for most teams, you want to go three and one each quarter. You break the game up, you break the season up into quarters. And what you're hoping is that you're in range at the midway point. Well, look, you can't get that three and one back from the first quarter, but you certainly can make it up over the next three games. And the goal would be at the midway point, can we be around 500? Because the best teams play their best football November, December, going into the postseason. So if we can get to the halfway point, even you would like to think that maybe you can finish six and two down the stretch, regardless of the schedule. Because if you're playing your best ball, you flip that around, the magic number for playoffs is always 10. So what can you do to get the 10? You get the 10 more times than not, you get into the playoffs. No, Bucky, we'll wrap it up with that. I think that's really important. Your colleague, Jim Trotter, who's a Hall of Fame voter, seen a lot of football, thinks the Raiders can win their next six in a row. Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer, who you know well, Talked about when he went to the Super Bowl, they were 4-0 and and then lost four in a row. Lost four in a row and ended up going to the Super Bowl. So we're looking for optimism here going forward, but now we're stacking an opportunity for the Raiders to win games. Houston coming off the bye week, New Orleans, Jacksonville. Those are teams the Raiders should be competitive with, but those games also, Bucky, could come down to the last possession, fourth quarter trailing, and they haven't had the confidence of winning those games. So, again, at the bye week here, the issue for Derek Carr, Devontae, Hunter, getting Waller back is to be confident in this next quarter, as you said, that they can start stacking wins. That's the only way they can get back into this. Yeah, and before you can win uh, three in a row, four in a row, yeah. you got to win your first one. And so the bye week – has to be all attention on cleaning up the stuff from the previous five games. But then you got to cast your eyes and attention to the Houston Texans because despite their record, because they have one win, three losses, and a tie, this is a very competitive team. And the way that they play, they make all of these games fourth quarter games. And so I would think over the bye week, there's a lot of time on red zone execution and how do you finish games. Four-minute offense, two-minute offense, working on those areas, because as we've seen, I think every game for the Raiders has been a worse one-score game. you got to win those key games, either finishing the game on offense or finding a way to come back to finish the game, either on defense in a two-minute drill or offense in a two-minute drill. You have to take care of the situations. That should be the primary focus, cleaning those areas up, you do that, you start winning games. You win games, you gain confidence, and you play. You finish strong down the stretch. Hey, Bucky, for those here who are watching on YouTube and video platforms, we see that Raider brick behind you as an alumni. What does that mean to you? Because your career has exploded at NFL Network. We're proud to have you here at Raiders.com. What's going on in your personal life with all the content that you put out weekly? 
you know, it's so funny. Um, had a chance to write about uh, the influence that Mr. Davis had on me in terms of having an opportunity to play for Raiders. Growing up, it was my team. I was heavily impacted by Marcus Allen's run back in the Super Bowl in 83 when he zigzagged and weaved all the way across. For a 12-year-old kid, that was everything. To then be able to don the silver and black, it meant everything to me. So now to be reconnected to the franchise in some capacity, it's been great. Finishing my career in Oakland with the then Oakland Raiders was fantastic. You talk about the mystique of playing with the Raiders and you talk about Raider Nation. Anytime you have an opportunity to be a part of it, it's exciting. I'm really excited about the things that are transpiring in my life as I'm reconnecting with the franchise. It really meant a lot to me. Thanks so much, Bucky. You do such a great job. We appreciate everything you do here. And we'll have you on again. And again, all the great work that you do at NFL.com, NFL Network, and especially here with the Raiders. Thanks for coming on Raiders Roundtable. We look forward to having you on again. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, there he is, Bucky Brooks. He does a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously this is a tough game to analyze, right? Because he's a former player. He's yeah. an analyst. He's got to be honest on everything that happened here. And as he said, this one slipped away. Just mm-hmm. a couple of plays was a difference in that Raiders loss. It absolutely was. And I'm sure all the players on the plane ride home back to Vegas realized that that was one that they let slip away. And that's against a division opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs, one that you're trying to, to defeat. I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones that have won the AFC West so many years in a row. You go into the bye – with that victory, yeah. you're feeling really good about yourself. Well, you got to start stacking wins. It'll come off the bye. When we come back on Raiders Roundtable, we'll take a look at the AFC West as we continue. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable as we continue here with Q Myers. I'm JT. Thanks again to Bucky Brooks as we take a look now at the AFC West. Going forward again with all the Raider losses, it's really bizarre what's happening in the AFC West, especially with the Chargers, Q, and what we saw in Cleveland. When Brandon Staley went for it on fourth and two, they got the stop in that game. Cleveland had a chip shot field goal to go win the game. And the Chargers win. Right. And we talked about this with Denver early in the year. They couldn't have been playing bad, uh, worse than that. And they started to win games. And the Raiders can't catch a break. So no. it's tough to see the AFC West. It, it really is. And, you know, it's the division that we talked about all offseason and training camp and preseason. It was going to be the toughest division in football. And it really hasn't uh, turned into that yet, right? I mean, there's so many questions. The Chargers seem like they have so many injuries. And then Brandon Staley decides he wants to give every team an opportunity to come back and win. And Denver hasn't looked like uh, that what we thought it was going to look like with Russell Wilson. And so, yeah, it's just been a bizarre division. It's been a bizarre, you know, first five weeks of the season. And unfortunately for the Silver and Black, they haven't been able to win those close games, and they were really good at doing that a year ago. Yeah, I'm shocked by the Chargers because they're playing poorly, but they're winning. Right. That's what Raider Nation wants. Raiders are playing, I think, better football, and they're losing tight games by one or two plays here. And the Chargers, you know, they got injuries, but Herbert's going to get healthier. Some of their receivers are going to come back. Bosa's been hurt. But the Raiders get an opportunity to play them at home later. 
later in the season. Exactly. And so the Raiders just have to continue to do what they do and, uh, you know, continue to try to build on what they're looking like they're getting better week to week. And they've got to, you know, use the bye week, obviously, to get healthy. But uh, I just think that this team has an opportunity to still do some really good things. But they've got to they've got to get those W's so they, they can start getting that confidence. You know, it's, it's one thing to go out there and play well and then lose and then hear everyone say, yeah, but they're playing better. They've got to see it. They've got to see the results. That W has to come. And so far, it's only came once. Yeah, and I look at Kansas City. they got a big lead now over the Raiders. It's yeah. going to be tough sledding to catch him. But the rest of the division, I think the Raiders could get rolling with that. And look, the AFC West coming in to the season was supposed to be the toughest division yep. in football. It hasn't lived up to it. No. It hasn't no, lived up to not it. Not at all. But we know how tough the competition is. Right. Just that Denver's really struggling with Russell Wilson, and the Raiders are struggling in the win-loss column. Exactly. And, and that's, that's just the biggest issue is just how do you start getting those Ws? How do you finish the games? You know, that's something we've always heard. Finish games, finish games, finish games. These teams need to learn how to finish. The Raiders are still trying to learn how to finish. They had an opportunity Monday night. It looked like to finish off the Chiefs and just weren't able to do it. And unfortunately, we said they just haven't been able to do it more times than not so far this year. As we take a look at some of the highlights from the Colts and Broncos, widely considered one of the worst football games ever played. <laughs> yes. Right? That was an awful football Man. game. <laughs> and for I look at the Colts, and they're kind of kind of start stacking wins. They're in a very similar position of the Raiders. They've had some really bad losses, some Mm -hmm. heartbreakers, but they're going to start to stack wins because of the coach, the quarterback, when they get Jonathan Taylor completely healthy and that offensive line. And Q, I think the most important thing we talked about on Raiders Roundtable today was the identity of the Raiders. Yes. Similar to the Colts. They want to run the ball. Right. I didn't think that would be the identity of the Raiders this year. I thought it would be throw, throw, throw to Devontae Waller, Hunter, Hunter, and do it that way. So let's talk about their identity now, similar to the Colts with an offensive line. The offensive line for the Raiders should only get better from here on out. And Josh Jacobs is having a hell of a year. He's having a hell of a year, and I think that you're right. The identity is definitely the run game, but I didn't know that that was what it was going to be no. heading into the season because they had so many weapons and so much new. So, And I think that the coaching staff didn't really quite know what the identity no, was either. I think that they found what it was and saw the recipe with Josh Jacobs and, okay, yeah, this is our lead guy. This is how uh, everything gets going. And you know, and th- then everything opens up for Devontae Adams, Waller, and Renfro in an ideal world. So, yeah, I think that the Raiders now have their identity. Now they can expand on that and maybe open up the playbook of Josh McDaniels a little bit more. Well, these next four games coming up are critical for the Raiders. And when the schedule came out, the NFL didn't do the Raiders any special treatments in the beginning. I said from the first Mm -hmm. second the schedule came out, it was front-loaded and back-loaded. And then in the middle of the season, they had the opportunity to stack some wins here. And they're going to have to do it. That road trip to New Orleans as they go and continue on to Florida is a tough one. Because both of those teams are under 500, but they're at home. Yeah. And the Raiders are going to be traveling on the road, and they're going to need that. But let's focus on Houston, 1-3-1, one, and one, and what the Raiders need to do coming off the bye week. They have to be ready. They have to be focused. they got to get back into this building looking to dominate the Houston Texans. That'll give them a win right. and the momentum to get on the plane for a long two-week road trip. And I'll tell you what, Houston's been playing tough ball. I know that their record says they're 1-3-1, and one, and they're not a very good team, but they've been playing everyone tough. They are. Right? I mean, Lovey Smith has those guys at least believing that they can go out there and win. And just like the Raiders, they find ways to lose as well. But that doesn't mean that coming off the bye, the Raiders are going to go into Legion Stadium and just get an easy W. They're going to have to work their tail off. One of the biggest things, JT, they have to get healthy. 
They have to get healthy and come out of the, the bye week and be ready to go and know that they have a long stretch. There are no bye weeks after this one. So they have a bye week, and then boom, it's the rest of the season. So they've got to get busy. Yeah, it's been tough sledding, as we continue to say. The Raiders have had some hard breaking losses. No one cares about that in the national media. None of the Raider opponents care. The Raider Nation understands this. But Q, now it's about winning. they got to get really hot here. Now this team, the expectations before the season began, what their record would be coming off 10 wins, they have got to put their head down, keep that locker room tight, which seems to be, that's Mm -hmm. not an issue, and go out there and win. Win for this fan base. Win for this owner. Win for this building. And go on a run that they're supposed to go on. It has to happen now coming off the byway. It really does. And, you know, we look at the schedule, and as you mentioned, you know, the middle is where they have an opportunity to stack some wins, but none of those those games are going to be guaranteed. easy, right? Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing. You know? The NFL is very tough to win in, right? That's why when you win a game, they have to celebrate that because that's exactly what it is. It's a tough win, but they have winnable games, and so they just have to get their minds right. They have to get focused on it and say, it stops now. The buck stops now. We're going to handle our business, and first up is the Houston Texans, and not worry about playoffs, not worry about anything else. Just worry about one game at a time, one win at a time. Thanks again to Bucky Brooks. For Q Myers, I'm JT. Thanks for watching Raiders Roundtable, and keep it to Raiders.com and the Raiders Podcasting Network.